I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and today I want you to turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Luke is located in the Bible, uh, what I would ask you to do is if you're in a physical Bible, uh, open up to the table of contents at the very beginning. You'll find there that the Bible is broken up into the Old and New Testament. Luke is the third book of the New Testament. So locate the New Testament, find the book of Luke, flip over to that page, and you'll want to flip through till you get to chapter 19. Now, if you're in an app, what I would ask you to do is pull down the list of the books of the Bible. Uh, there, about two-thirds of the way down that list, you'll find the book of Luke, and then flip over to chapter 19. Now, I've always been a short person. Now, I understand I'm in front of a camera right now. I'm on your TV or your device's screen, and so you really can't tell how tall I am, but let me reassure you, let me, let me put confidence in your minds and hearts that I'm not a tall person. I'm pretty short. Um, I, I've been made fun of because of my lack of height. I mean, I didn't even hit five foot uh, until my sophomore year of high school. And so I've always been uh, the shortest in my class. And uh, it's always been something that I've been a little self-conscious of, good and bad, but I laugh it off today. I mean, for example, why do you think that I don't preach with a big podium in front of me right now? Because almost every podium comes to right here on me. Uh, they, they engulf me. They're, they're too big for me. They're too, too tall. Uh, and so I almost never preach with a podium because they're, they're, I'm just not tall enough. I'm a short guy. And today's passage actually deals with that. Um, Jesus encountered a man who was not very tall, uh, and his name was Zacchaeus. Um, and, and I've learned about Zacchaeus since I was a, a child. My grandmother, uh, a couple of summers, would send me to vacation Bible school, this like daytime Bible camp thing at our church, uh, or at her church. And at this camp, there was a song about Zacchaeus being a wee little man, and a, a wee little man was he, and he climbed up a sycamore tree. And yeah, anyways, uh, people would make fun of me. The other kids would laugh at me because I was the short one. I was Zacchaeus. And so for the longest time, I hated this story. Not hate, but uh, I don't think I appreciated it uh, for what it truly was until uh, several years ago as I was studying God's Word and I came across this account of Jesus's life and ministry, I realized that the account of Zacchaeus is, in a, is about an incredibly short man whose life was incredibly changed by an incredible Savior. And it's at that point that I realized that this is one of the greatest accounts of all of God's Word. And so today, we're going to focus on that passage. So I want you to turn to Luke 19. We're going to start right at the beginning in verse 1. So locate Luke 19, verse 1. Here's what it says. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Verse 4. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him 
for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Incredible passage. Again, you know, now that I understand the true meaning of this passage, it blows me away every time I, I come across it. Um, and this is a great account, it, but it brings very early on, it brings into the question, what is salvation? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be rescued from someone's sins? I want you to look back at, with me in verse 9 of this passage. Verse 9, and Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he's also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. You see, Zacchaeus was changed because of his encounter with Jesus. He, he did something. He responded. He acted out of the change that Jesus brought into his life. Salvation or being rescued from your sins is not about a single act. You know, for years I was told that you had to pray this prayer of salvation. Let's be honest for a minute. You don't find that anywhere in God's word. Uh, should we pray? Absolutely. Should we pray when we get saved? Of course. But there's no formula. Uh, there's no step-by-step -step to being saved. You see, we don't see Zacchaeus saying a prayer when he encounters Jesus and as he talks with him. We just see this changed life. It's not what we do that saves us. We see a lot of things that Zacchaeus commits to, but please understand the things that Zacchaeus is committing to, the, the works, the actions that he is planning on taking is not to earn his favor with Jesus, it's to respond out of the change that Jesus has put into him. There's not enough good things that we can do to earn our way to heaven or to earn a good standing in front of Jesus. It's not what we do, it's who we know. It's a life-changing relationship. And maybe you're watching or listening right now, and maybe you've never begun a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And maybe you've got questions. Maybe you're confused. And let me clarify for just a moment. Let me explain what we're talking about here. Jesus was and is the Son of God. He wants us to know Him because we don't deserve heaven. We can't earn heaven. As a matter of fact, we deserve punishment. We've disobeyed God's laws. We're criminals in the eyes of God because we've disobeyed his laws and we deserve punishment. But our relationship with Jesus changes that. 
through that relationship with Jesus because of what he did on the cross. Jesus died on the cross and through that death, he became the perfect sacrifice to wipe us clean of our sins, of the ways we've disobeyed God. And so when we step into a relationship with Jesus, Jesus takes our undeservedness. He takes our punishment on himself. And when we go to God, we are declared innocent. We are in right standing. We are in good relationship with him because of what Jesus did on the cross. But ultimately, it didn't end there. Jesus rose from the grave. He had victory over sin and death. And he right now sits in heaven on a throne with God. And the Bible tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. All that Jesus asks to be rescued from your sin, Jesus just asks that you believe in what I've just talked about, that he is the Son of God. He was sinless and is sinless. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave to forgive you of your sins. And he wants you to proclaim that and make him the Lord of your life, to live for him. And if that's you, if you're ready to make a decision, please, there's an email address on the bottom of the screen. I want you to reach out right now or contact us at the church uh, through, the, through our website. Contact us right now and let us know that you've got a decision you'd like to make or you've got questions uh, about what Jesus did for you on the cross and, and what that means and what it looks like. We would love to have that conversation with you and walk you through the next steps of your relationship with Jesus. You see, Jesus wants to change your life, just like we see Zacchaeus's life changed in verse 8. So again, take your Bibles and turn with me to verse 8. It says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. You know, I, I talked about how we can't do enough good works. You see, good works are not what get us into heaven. It's that relationship with Jesus. Good works, our good deeds, our generosity are a result of being in a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's one of the things that changes within us when we become a follower of Jesus. When we step into that relationship we want to do the right things. We want to do the good things. It's like taking a shower. If I go home this afternoon and, and I get in the shower and I come out and I'm just as dirty as I was before, then I need to reevaluate what I did wrong. You see, if I got in that shower stall but I never turned the water on, and I never got myself wet and put soap on my skin to clean myself, then, then there's no point in stepping into a shower. We need Jesus to cleanse us. And when we truly experience Jesus, when we really have that life change, then Jesus comes in and cleans us. And so here's what I'm trying to say. If you don't want to do the right thing, if you don't have good works, good fruit in your life, then maybe you're not actually in relationship with Jesus. Maybe you stepped in the stall 
but you haven't turned the water on or put soap on your body yet. Because Jesus is going to clean you. He's going to make you desire to be a godly person. And so if that desire, if that fruit isn't there, then you're missing something. When you take a broken life and you add Jesus to it, you will always end up with a changed life. Always. If you don't end up with this result, something's not right. You, you don't really have Jesus in that equation. And so take a careful examination. Have you let change, Jesus change you from the inside out? Has he taken your anger and turned it to peace? Has he taken your jealousy and he instead made you content and satisfied? Has he taken your greed and turned it into generosity? Has he taken your sexual temptation and immorality and turned it into purity? And most of all, has he taken your selfishness and turned it into selflessness? A changed life is proof to us about our relationship with Jesus. That's what Jesus and the New Testament over and over and over speaks about. You will know us, you'll know followers of Christ by their fruit. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, just Google that. Uh, Google what does the Bible mean by know them by their fruit. And you, the Bible will make that abundantly clear. So, that relationship that Zacchaeus experienced changed his life. It made him desire to do the right thing. He commits to give away half of all he has to the poor. He commits to pay back fourfold anyone who he's defrauded. He makes a huge commitment because he experienced the life-changing hope of Jesus. And this brings us to a difficult part of this passage. Pick this back up and let's begin in verse seven. Verse seven, it says this, and, he, and when he saw, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. You see, there was several groups in this uh, account of Jesus's ministry. In this, in this event that Jesus experiences, there are distinct groups. There is Zacchaeus uh, and the people around him, his, his, his friends and family and co-workers, the, the, the other sinners uh, of the world. Then there's Jesus, and then there's the other people, the, the ones who are casting judgment that Jesus went to go spend time loving on a sinner in need of a savior. And you see, I think that we all too many times as followers of Jesus, we have a tendency to go, oh, what a beautiful story. But then we turn around and we live our lives like the people that were grumbling. The people that grumbled and said, oh, he went to go eat with a sinner. 
we all too many times end up being the wrong person or the wrong group of people in the account of Zacchaeus found in Luke 19. This is what I call it. I call it the they attitude. Who are the they's in your life? To be honest, if you had witnessed this event in Jesus's life, what would you be thinking? Uh, maybe a better question would be, who do you most identify with in this account? Are you the religious person judging the lost and what Jesus is doing? Are you the person amazed by Zacchaeus and the change that's being made in his life? Are you the persons on the sidelines trying to figure out what's going on and if this is really happening? Me personally, I'll be honest, I'm totally the religious leader guy. I'm totally that guy that is cynical and looking down and judgmental. That's totally me. That's the guy that I, if I just let my sin go unchecked, that's the guy that I'm gonna, gonna tend to, to be toward. Who are you? Who do you identify with? You see, Jesus didn't have any theys or those. Jesus looked at everyone through the same lens. He, he saw every person the same way. He recognized and viewed all people as beloved children of God made in the image of God. He recognized that. And so that brings me to today's big idea. Uh, if you've watched many of my messages, you know that I give a, a single statement that kind of summarizes that week's message. And today's big idea is simply this. Love people the way Jesus loves you. Let me say that again. Love people the way Jesus loves you. Have you ever thought about that? You know, for, for people who got saved at an early age, Many times they forget that they are sinners. They're, they're without Jesus, they are unrighteous and they are unworthy, undeserving. That they, they, they don't have the promise of eternal life without Jesus in their life. And all too many times we, we get into this rut of religiosity where we go, oh, well, I'm saved, and I'm moral, and I'm righteous, and I'm not like those people over there. Hint, hint, go watch or listen to or remember what I said last week about the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. You see, we all too many times see us as being up here and everybody else being down here. And that's not what Jesus does. That's not how Jesus views you, so why should you view others that way? Jesus loves you, so we're called to love people the way Jesus loves us. Mark 12 and Matthew 22, we find this account where a religious leader or a scribe comes to Jesus and they ask, what do we need to do? What's the greatest commandment? in all of scripture. And Jesus says, well, the first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. On this, all of the law and prophets, the Old Testament, swing on these commandments. You know, we, we know that we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love everyone the way Jesus loves us. But we have a difficult time executing that. We have a, a difficult time actually living that way so much. 
We struggle to see the people around us and say, I love you, even though I can't identify with your struggle or your sin or the, the, the place in life that you're at. Even though I can't identify with you, I still love you the way Jesus loves me. We have a hard time doing that. We are, because of our sinful nature, we are judgmental people. We have a tendency to judge others that we look at as being lower than we are. And you may ask, but what if that person that I'm interacting with, what if that person is someone that <clears throat> I really dislike? Or maybe that person really dislikes me. Or, or what if they're a person that does terrible things and uh, you know they promote evil and they're, they're ungodly and unrighteous? What if that is the kind of person that I'm encountering. Do I still have to love them then? Yeah. If you go to Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48, Jesus very clearly, black and white clearly, states that we're supposed to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. There's no wiggle room in the command to love others. We are commanded to love everybody all the same, with the same unconditional love that Jesus loves us with. That's what we're called to do. It doesn't matter who they are or what they believe or what they do. We love them in the name of Jesus. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? He healed people. He cast out demon-possessed you know, he cast out demons out of demon-possessed people, the, the lowest of the low. He ate with sinners. He, he encountered an adulterous woman, and instead of letting the Pharisees do their thing, he forgave her and told her to go and sin no more. He loved her. Jesus loves you, but he also loves the people that you hate. Jesus loves you, but he also loves the people that you don't like. Jesus loves you, but he also loves the people that you struggle to be around. He loves you, but he also loves that person that, that you don't want to be around because they stink or they're dirty. He loves you, but he loves the homeless guy down the street. When are we going to get that Jesus loves you and he calls you and I to love everybody no matter what unconditionally? When are we going to get it into our, our minds and our hearts that we can't continue making excuses for why we don't love people? Jesus didn't make excuses when he loved you. He didn't make excuses when he gave you grace and forgiveness and when he showed you mercy. So why in the world do we make excuses for loving people and doing the right thing? The people in Zacchaeus' day judged Jesus because Jesus loved Zacchaeus, even though he was a traitor and he was a sinner and you know tax collector. He was the lowest of the low. He was the most hated amongst all those hated in Israel. And Jesus loved him. Zacchaeus promoted evil. Zacchaeus did horrible things. He confesses many of them in this account. 
and Jesus loved him. It's one thing to love hate, or it's one thing to hate evil. Sorry, excuse me. It's one thing to hate evil. It's one thing to hate the evil deeds that men commit. It's one thing to hate uh, philosophies or political systems or things that we disagree with. It's one thing to hate those types of things, but it's not okay to hate people ever. We don't have an excuse. Jesus didn't do it. We don't do it. Love people the way Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter who they are or what they've done or what they think. Love them. Love them. You see, we are all broken sinners in need of a Savior. Every one of us. Jesus has every reason to not love us. But he does anyway. And he simply asks that we do the same, just like he did for Zacchaeus. He asks that we love others unconditionally so that they can come to know him as their Lord and Savior. Who do you struggle to love? Who in your life do you not think well of? Who do you struggle to have positive thoughts about? When you're driving down the road and you see billboards and people, who is it that you struggle to think good things about? Who is it that you need to intentionally engage? Who is it that you need to intentionally go out and show love unconditionally? That's the life change that Jesus wants to bring in your life. He wants you to become a person of love. For some of us, that's a big change. For some, maybe it's not as big. But one thing is truthful, one thing is for sure. We all struggle with loving someone. Who is it in your life? Who is it? that you need to see through the eyes of Jesus and love them the same way Jesus loves you. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, thank you for today. And Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for that unconditional love that you demonstrated to Zacchaeus here in Luke 19. That love that looked past all the things that he did looked past all the, the reputations that he had, looked past all of the, the philosophies and ideas and opinions that he had, and instead just loved him as a child of God made in the image of God. Thank you for that kind of love. Thank you that you give that love to us. And Lord, help us to be a people that in turn gives that love to others. Help us to stop with the hatred. Help us to stop with the disunity. Help us to stop with the divisions and factions and instead stand together in the name of Jesus so that we can change this world for you. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.